This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, Piney Woods of delightful North Central Florida. Eat your heart out in the rest of the country. And we are in the Mellon Law Studio, of course. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators. They will be fighting tomorrow against the Georgia Bulldog. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, sponsored by Julie Ocasio, pops up her first Allstate. She's full-service local girl, auto insurance, retirement, a whole bit. We've also got on-the-spot cleaners and... um I, I, you know, we'll get to them at the break. I mean, there's a lot of great people helping us out and, um, we appreciate. And, uh, um, and we'll, uh, got an interesting little first half of the show here for you. We're going to do the odds and ends that I do on a Friday. Our call in line is going to feature Chuck Clemens at the bottom of the hour talking about trying to get the city of Gainesville to play honestly which they don't know how to do. So we'll talk with uh, Representative Chuck Clements, who is really holding, and rightfully so, in my humble opinion, and you know I'm never wrong, holding the city of Gainesville government's feet to the fire. Thank goodness, because behind Chuck is the governor. So the city wants to take them on. They better have their, quote-unquote, ducks in a row. Because these guys, Representative Chuck Clemens, State Senator Keith Perry, the governor, they're no dummies. Uh, They have been, you poked a bear. I think that's the saying. You have poked the bear. And you probably are going to regret that. Because I assure you, having been a city manager, that it is not difficult to find Violations of the sunshine. There, and you know, Senator Emory Red Cross was the one who put that law into effect way back when, and it's been a good one. But it's very difficult to pin down the violators. There's a hallway somewhere. Uh, there's a restaurant somewhere. You know how it works. So, but now it appears as if there's actually a paper trail. And when you have a paper trail, you got something you can sink your teeth into. So there we are. Caliber Coffee, I'm having a little sip of it right now. Caliber Coffee, let me get the ad right here. CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. Faith Family Firearms, free shipping, $50. And use the code WARD15 for 15% off. How about it? Get with the program, huh? You know, while we're messing around here on odds and ends, 
Uh, I think we got it queued up. I think our production said it's queued up. Mm-hmm. We had a delightful conversation yesterday <laughs> with the executive director of Dance Alive National Ballet. And tonight is Swan Lake. A fantastic performance. Well, I thought I would show you four little swans. First, you'll see them practicing in the Pofall studio. We're going to run that a couple of times. It's so impressive. Try doing that at home, my friends. Jody Davis, try doing that. I see you're on here. I want to see if you can do that. How about that? Look at him go. Wow. Now that's the practice. That's the practice session in the studio. Zach, let's go over to the public performance in uh, Meet the Dancers. Here it is, friends. Decision. Fantastic, fantastic. If you're listening to the show and you can't see this, you can go to Dance Alive um, National Ballet dot or National Dance Alive nationalballet.org and and see this posted there. What we're looking at now. All right, production. Thank you very much for that. That is fantastic, fantastic. I tell you what, see more of that tonight at the Phillips Performing Arts Center. You know, entertainment is a big part of our lives. I understand that. And uh, it's kind of funny because the uh, – see if I can find it here in my midnight audio. Here it is over here. Hang on. The Taylor Swift appearance at these Kansas City Chief football games with this guy Kelsey – who is the tight end for Kansas City? Well, the retired tight end, Rob Gronkowski, it was fantastic. He no longer gets paid to play football, but he gets paid to analyze football and give his opinion about it. So he's been looking at the broadcast network's coverage of Taylor Swift and Gronk's opinion that he ain't gonna want, he doesn't want to see any more of that. He appeared Wednesday on a fan duels up at 
an Adams program. And he said at the broadcast network's insistence on constantly showing shots of Swift is over the top. Well, I agree with it. I mean, come on. She's not my style anyway. Come on. Gronkowski says, let's just say bye, bye, bye. It's a little too much. And Gronkowski, he's a tough dude now. He says, yes, you could show her. Maybe have her perform a song now since they're hyping her up every single week. But we want more football. It's fine to show her, but not every single play. Gronkowski added that he felt the focus should be on the players that the fans paid to see. That's my point. Show the players. Show the players' celebrations. Now, Gronkowski, to be clear, says he doesn't begrudge Kelsey or feel that he's undeserving of Swift or the added media attention. That's all great. But, you know, wide receivers barely have 7,000-yard seasons in a row, and uh, Kelsey had had 7,000-yard seasons in a row. So he deserves every commercial, Gronkowski says. He's a good-looking man, so he deserves the lady that he wants to get, and he can move, like I said. I had a dance-off with him, and he, his hip, his hips can groove. So it's great to see him doing his thing on and off the field. He deserves it all. <clears throat> but he says the biggest culprit in the swift overload is CBS. The constant showing of Swift and Chiefs quarterback uh, Pat Mahone's wife, Brittany, really got on Gronkowski's nerves Sunday during Kansas City's win over San Diego. But here we go. The ratings for the games where Swift has appeared have been monstrous, meaning that the networks you got it, are not going to stop showing her anytime soon. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow, wow, wow. That strikes me as kind of odd. You know? I don't know what else to tell you. But life in the big city. Now, A couple other things, since it's odds and ends until 9.30. The Heritage Foundation reported this this month that 48% of school districts with at least 15,000 students have a chief diversity officer. And that there is a consistent correlation between this and measurable, are you ready for this? Quote, learning loss during the pandemic by black and Hispanic students that significantly outpaced learning loss by the same demographics in districts without the diversity officers. 
chief diversity officers are more likely to reduce score outcomes than those without them. And here's the reason. Districts that focus on uh, diversity, and there's a special meaning of diversity. It, it, it doesn't include, evidently, Jews. We're finding that out now, right? But districts that focus on diversity are ones that tend to devalue traditional education. And they substitute for traditional education left-wing social agenda. Hello. Hello. The Heritage Foundation says there's only so much time in a day. By the time you start talking directly, they say, not indirectly, directly about sexual identity, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, social injustice, activism, anti-bias issues. And when you start doing that, here's the real kicker. With four-year-olds, four-year-olds, the Heritage Foundation has found that it means a lot less time for traditional reading, writing, and arithmetic. This obsession with diversity has exacerbated the magnitude of racial achievement gaps. Hasn't closed them. It's made them bigger. This evidence is consistent with the view that chief diversity officers primarily serve to articulate and enforce ideological orthodoxies opposed by the majority of parents rather than to assist with student learning or closing minority achievement gap. That's from the Heritage Report. Learning loss among black and Hispanic students exceeded the learning loss of white students during the pandemic. The chief diversity officers are involved in promoting the woke identity politics. We've been talking about that forever and a day on the Ward Scott Files. Forever and a day. Now, one of my favorite writers, let me see if I can find him here. It might be, take me a minute. Because I'm not real well organized today. Now, here we are. It's Jason Riley. Now, Jason Riley writes in his home 
in the Wall Street Journal. That. Chris Anderson, the British entrepreneur behind the popular TED Talks online lectures that often receive millions of views, has been embroiled in a public spat with Coleman Hughes, a podcaster and prolific essayist who writes about culture, politics, and race. What's this spat about? Mr. Hughes was invited to give a TED Talk about colorblindness, the topic of his forthcoming book. As he explained that colorblindness should not be a dirty word, but the political left has made it a dirty word. And that the concept was at the core of the anti-slavery movement, the core of the civil rights movement, but it was later abandoned. It's common sense that we live in an age when those arguments really no longer apply. The talk has caused, guess what? The students to get upset because it doesn't fit the ideology. I mean, this is not what they get in social science, that there is such a thing as colorblindness. They get the opposite. So, Jason Riley, a black writer, a smart man, has written about, yet again, the futility of pushing ideology that interferes with learning. And interferes with what is called reason, wonder, and the pursuit of knowledge. Nothing wrong with colorblindness. If you got any sense, you're colorblind. <clears throat> Why wouldn't you be? But Riley's point is the blacks themselves are promoting colorblindness. Uh, color awareness and using it as a divisive issue. I happen to think uh, they're right. I think they're right on that. Odds and ends. Odds and ends. What do you think about this? A week ago, pulled us out of the midnight audio yarn. The Wall Street Journal and its opinion page compared DeSantis to Newsom on violent crime. California and Florida. Okay? All right, let's get to the meeting. In California, Newsom, whom everybody thinks he's going to step in, take the baton from Biden. Biden's going to battle the race. In California, violent crime is up 13% since 2019. That's according to the FBI. In Florida, 
it's down 31.5%. The rate of violent crime in Governor Newsom's state of California last year, 499.5 per 100,000 people, was nearly double that of Florida, which was 258.9 per 100,000 people. And yet California has strict gun control laws, but a fifth of its aggravated assaults last year were committed with a knife or blunt object. Many of the state's violent offenses are perpetrated by mentally ill or drug-addicted people living on the streets. Newsom himself was assaulted in 2021 by a homeless, no doubt homeless and hungry man in Oakland. Property crime. In Florida, such offenses, property crime, are down 27% since 2019, about three times as much as nationwide. In California, they're up three-tenths of a percent. And the conventional wisdom at those figures likely underestimate the true difference. Since businesses are less inclined to report theft to law enforcement and jurisdictions where it often goes unprosecuted. So why report the crime if it's not going to be prosecuted? Factor in the fact that there's a correlation between the rising crime and the progressive district attorneys. In Los Angeles County, George Gascon refuses to charge nonviolent crimes. He says it contributes to an atmosphere of disorder that's worse than the atmosphere of bloodshed. Really. And in Florida, the Democrats, as you know, have criticized DeSantis or removing state attorneys in Orlando and Tampa who did the same thing the attorney in Los Angeles County getting away with. There you go. Although that was odd and it really shows you the dichotomy of the country. I mean, it's out there, blatant. How about this, friends? How about this? I know this is true. I don't do the shopping, but I hear it at home. How much, and you guys probably know it's more than I do, how much is a box of cereal? How much does it cost? Well, according to William Galston, $8 and 99 cent, as they say in Georgia. The price of breakfast cereal. The shopper wanted to know that at that price, does it also come with a gallon of milk? $1.99. 
Prices in the grocery store have risen by 30% or more. And food is only part of the picture. The average buyer, according to Galson's figures, of a new car in America paid $48,334 in July 2023, up from about $37,000 in 2019. The bulk of the increase occurred in 2020 and 2021. But the new car prices today are 31% higher than they were four years ago. It's amazing. Housing. Over the past four years, the median price of an existing home, are you ready for this, rose by 45%. From $271,500 to $394,300. So you put you put cars, you took put food and housing. How's that work with Bidenomics? It's actually, according to Galson's analysis, a threat to national security. I have to say that that is absolutely correct. It's a threat to national security. Now, one more story we'll do before the break. This is on the rule changes in Major League Baseball. We're going into the World Series. Associated Press, Ronald Blum. Stolen bases and batting averages are up and game times are down in the first postseason with the pitch clock and larger bases. Wonder why it's kind of more interesting than watching baseball. There have been an average of 1.4 steals per game through the league championship series. That's up almost a full percent from last year. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who will play the Texas Rangers, lead all postseason teams with 1.6 steals per game. The overall postseason batting average has climbed from 213 to 241. And batting average for left-handed hitters has risen from 217 to 244. This is the first year with defensive shift limits. The average game time is three hours, two minutes. A decrease from 322 for nine-inning games during the first three rounds and from 340 in 2021. Stolen base attempts, they've climbed from 77.8% to 84.5%. I think this is more exciting. This is good. This is good stuff. The pitch clock. Players Association didn't like it, but there's a pitch clock. 
set at 15 seconds with the bases empty and 20 seconds with runners on base. The postseason average of one violation per five games was down from one per four games in the final month of the regular season. 18-inch square bases are bigger than what they used to be. They used to be 15 inches. And the that reduced the distance between first and second base and second and third by four and a half inches. So there you go. Keep that in mind. No, you're not dreaming. As you're watching, it's actually going faster. We're going to take a break for the weather. And we come out of the break, we hopefully have Chuck Clemens on the line talking about getting the city under control. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Rum. This exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food, rum cocktails, raffles, and a meet and greet with me. Each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's Single Barrel Select Risky Run. And I'll sign the bottle if you'd like. So get your ticket before they sell out at Spurriers.com. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. 
Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil. Great sponsors, Chevron Gas, Fossil Fuel. Don't be afraid of it. Listen, it's a delightful right now in this part of the piney woods of North Central Florida. It's one of our better moments in weather. Enjoy it. You know, the other odd thing about weather is we keep hearing about climate change, climate change, climate change. Let me just share with you an article I ran across of all places on CNN. Do you know that an ancient landscape is hidden under the East Antarctic ice sheet and has been there for about 14 million years? And it has been discovered with satellite data and planes equipped with ice penetrating radar. About 32,000 square kilometers, which is about 12,300 square miles, about the size of Belgium, has a landscape formed by rivers, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, green stuff down there. Hey, what caused that? Huh? You think it was man or you think it was maybe the nasty motor car? So, it is all there under the Antarctic ice. I've always heard that it was once upon a time upside down and green there, and now it's different. It's cold. 14 million years, a lot can happen. Well, we've got a really good guest on the air today, longtime friend, worked with him at the college, tremendous respect for our representative, Chuck Clemens. He's a local kid. He really grew up in Lachua, and he's country-raised, country-born, and it's got solid values. And that's exactly what we like to do here with the Ward Scott Files as much as we can. Uh, as you've been looking probably at the Gainesville sunset a little bit, or maybe our, our good friends over at Lotro Chronicle, even Main Street USA, um, Tuck has got a tiger by the tail, along with Senator Keith Perry and the JLAC commi- uh, commu- uh, committee and the legislature. With the city of Gainesville, and having been a city manager, I've got a lot of experience with what it's like to get involved with city commissioners who never know the charter, who will go away down the path unless you rein them in. And Chuck and his good friends in the legislature have had enough, and thank God for them. So, Chuck, welcome to the Ward Scott Files, sir. Hey, thank you, Ward. Thank you, my friend. It's good to be here. And, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about um, uh, upside down and green about some other things, and I believe that the city of Gainesville is upside down and, and green, too. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, they certainly are riddled with ideology that, uh, you know, affects or infects a lot of their decisions. Sure. Sure. And look, Ward, uh, you know, somebody's uh, ideology, that's their own uh, personal uh, uh, choices. I get that. And I'm not um, I'm not focusing on any particular ideology. What I'm going to focus on and have been for more than a year is the the city commissioners who cannot count or read a balance sheet. Um, this whole ministry of propaganda, it's got to stop. And, and, and good people need to stand up and say enough with the lies. 
Um, Ward, I can show you and any citizen, um, you don't even have to read a balance sheet. I'll show you where it is on there. That from 2000, about 17 to 21, the then city commissioners, whoever served during that period, voted to withdraw $68 million more than the net operating profit of Gainesville Regional Utilities. Now, any reasonable thinking person will say, that's not sustainable, and you can't keep that up. Um, so that's one of the things that was the predicate for this. It's like you're, you're overspending, um, you're, you're derelict of your duty, and, and I think it's, it's malfeasance myself, and, and I didn't back away from using that term. Well, that's a good term. And uh, uh, I was talking a little bit on the first half of the show how difficult it is to pin down these violations of the sunshine. Uh, I'm sure you were around. You remember Emory Craw- Ray Cross, who really pushed that legislation sure. through. And having been a manager, I can tell you that uh, these guys have got their own way of getting in a dark corner. Or, and lots of times they just don't even know it. I mean, they, they're, they're, they don't even know it. So, you know, I've always thought it was odd that if you're on an advisory committee to the county commission, for example, and I was as chair of the Rural Concerns, if you get a new member on there, he's been schooled in violations of sunshine. Boy, I tell you what, it act, the commissioners, it acts like they don't school them um, they, or, or they take liberties as, as needed with it. So I'm, I'm sure you're going. Well, time will. Yep. Time will tell. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, people get really bold as a uh, as a. Uh, down in the basement when they're a keyboard warrior uh, about things that they say and statements they make. Um, it's a different story, Ward, when you have to raise your hand and place your other hand on the Bible, uh, because if you don't tell the truth at that point, you know, it's called perjury, and there's some ramifications for that. So we need to stop the sophomoric, uh, you know, bravado on the, on the social media, and let's, let's stick to the facts. Uh, one of the facts is that... Um, you know, Commissioner Brian Eastman is the, I call him uh, the, the guy who propagates the positions that uh, the whole uh, the whole commission, yeah, I think the whole commission takes, and uh, about the bonding agencies and why they pulled out. Um, let me share with you, based upon records that we received from Gainesville Regional Utilities, this $150 million bond issuance was scheduled to be teed up, um, I believe, Ward, in April. In April, um, the GRU bill hadn't even made it through to the floor of the House of Representatives yet. And this was a normal routine, uh, you know, they, you've got a billion seven in debt. You've got bonds that, you know, that you need to let and bid on and, and issue all the time. This was a normal perfunctory thing for the GRU. <clears throat> and it was scheduled to be voted on in April. Well, it was delayed by some miraculous something. It was delayed. Um, I can tell you the most valuable player in this in this play is a, a lady who's very brave, Ward. She's the CFO for GRU, Claudia Resnick, and she is uh, fabulous because she's telling the truth. She's written and, and placed you know her professional career on the line by telling the truth. And so I, I consider her a whistleblower. Um, I know that she's received some pressures uh, in and around uh, the, the, the organization to uh, get on the same page with some other folks and, and things like that. And, and, and I'm not having that. Um, I hope that she's sought uh, legal representation because she would be considered a whistleblower. 
And as such, she's protected by Florida law and by federal law. So the truth will come out, and the people who are misguiding the public, uh, or I would say, Ward, in a nice way, the people who's, uh, who, who the truth is not their constant companion, they will be <laughs> called out, and they, uh, they, they will be called out uh, loudly, and we'll see. And I like that. Truth is not their constant companion. Um, or, or if a lie applies, use it. That's another way of looking at the way they behave. There, uh, um, it, and it's not, it's, not, it's not over. You know, after the uh, legislative delegation hearing, I, I came out in the public and, and made profound uh, challenges for Mayor Ward to resign and for uh, Mr. Tony Cunningham, the general manager of GRU, to resign. I believe that there's been uh, uh, malfeasance. I believe that there's been some collusion. And the end of the day, Ward, it's cost the GRU ratepayers $2.9 million. And, sir, we're not playing Monopoly. You know, uh, after we're tired of playing and we're tired of rolling the dice, we don't collect all those little paper dollars and put them back in the box. This is real taxpayer money, $2.9 million. And, Ward, um, I'm, I'm leading an effort to hold people accountable for that. Uh, this stuff needs to stop. Well, it's been a long time coming, and it took somebody like you with leadership skills and courage and and a, a great deal of knowledge about how to get yourself around in government to get the uh, get the ball rolling. And I always I rather suspect that once you start unraveling this ball of yarn, it's going to show you a lot more than even you, as sophisticated as you are, experienced, can imagine. Um, I am sure that this has been a habit. This has been a practice. I mean, I read Ed Berlarski's book, uh, had Ed interviewed on the show. I was around when, uh, uh, the, uh, Kurtz was fired, uh, way back when as the GRU manager. Uh, he was a great manager. He made perfect sense. Um, the entire biomass debacle was uh, run by the rural concerns committee. We voted it down. We couldn't see the logic to it, and they just ignored it. That's at the county world, but the, but the, it, not just the county. It's all all involved now with the city, of course, uh, spearheading it. What do you make? Um, of course, I don't make much of them, but they are constantly happening. Uh, these frivolous lawsuits that are trying to distract or what do you, are you? What's the story on them, Chuck? From your what? Well, Ward, what, what I would say, first of all, you know, anyone can sue anybody for any reason, whether it's valid or not, is kind of up to the courts. And sometimes people can use the law as a bludgeon. And um, it shows me that um, this effort uh, downtown uh, is desperate. They're desperate because their normal bag of tricks, everything that they pull out of it that has been successful in the past. Uh, is unsuccessful or has been unsuccessful with this effort. And so, um, you know, they're, they're relying on, on, uh, uh, the law to slow things down or they're praying that they can get a stay. Um, uh, so far they've been unsuccessful. Um, uh, what I would question, uh, and ask you to help question it is the $250,000 that the city, uh, first fought the, with their own lawsuit. They used the Gainesville Regional Utilities money to do that. They were unsuccessful. There was another 250000 that originally, I believe, was going to come from GRU, but uh, uh, they did not 
asked for that. I think the city uh, coffers paid paid for that. And then, you know, who knows? Um, uh, the thing about malfeasance or uh, elected official ward not operating inside the scope of his duty or her duty, that if you're outside the scope of that duty, you can be sued personally for those decisions uh, because they're not part. You don't have the power to do that. And therefore, the defense is not borne by the government entity. It has to be borne by the individual who acted outside the scope of your responsibility. So, you know, this is a it's a very complicated, uh, tangled web that's been weaved, and uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, for, we'll, we'll, we'll fight our way out of it, or they'll fight their way out of it. Um, you know, I, I'm just trying to uh, do like you do when you walk in the room and you turn the, 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 the light on. What normally yeah. happens when you do that, Ward? Well, the, co- the cockroaches run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm well, familiar listen, with that. I'm, I'm familiar with that, brother. You know, yeah. I, I just, I just think that uh, you know, the the the, the city uh, it's made up of some great people. The the, the employees, most all of them are, are good people. GRU's got 800 fabulous people that that try to keep the lights on. They do a good job of keeping the lights on. It's just time that that business is run like a business with the sole purpose, Ward, of uh, reasonable rates. Um, I, I don't know about you, but everywhere I go in public, people are telling me their story about the unreasonable rates. And there's some really horror stories. I had one last night that someone contacted me and um, they asked for a three-day extension to pay their bill. And they were told no. And so what that means to this single mother ward is that her electricity is going to be cut off and then uh, she has to pay a reconnection fee. Now, is that reasonable? I, I don't think it's reasonable, especially when the, the, the rate payer goes to GRU and say they're having a little financial difficulty. You know, what can you do to help me for three days? Well, you know, there's so many stories like this, uh, Chuck. Um, we ha- I have a relative who is um, – she works as a uh, checkout, bagging groceries at Publix. That's her deal. She rides the bus to work, um, and she has to pay the GRU bill or her heating and cooling of her unit in the condo where she lives. But she has to live there because it's on the bus route. So she now has to shut off, not turn up high, but actually shut off her heating and cooling unit when she leaves because she can't afford the bill. The bill is so high, Chuck. You know? There's there's thousands of stories just like your your relative there. So Ward, hopefully we'll we're going to do something uh meaningful as far as stopping the bleeding, stopping the overspending, running the utility, or at least I I, I have confidence that whoever sits on the board will do that. I, I don't have any connection to the board or the decisions that the board makes. But um, I think if you get people on there that's a uh, volunteer that uh, have skill sets that lends itself to reading a balance sheet and understanding how businesses, especially utilities operate, that we can only get better in the future. I would like to see GRU, uh, you know, in business and strong a hundred years from now. And, you know, it'll be a 200 year old company that serves the people, you know, that in the community. Well, you know, um, I've got a couple of questions coming. If you've got time for them, um, that I think are pretty good questions. I listened to the entire JLAC uh, committee 
interrogation, if you will, of the city people. And one of the things that really kind of the chair objected to was they actually raised the taxes. I think it was 29%. So, you know, look, Ward, if you're a listener or a viewer and you have a, a mayor stand up and say, we've cut 140 positions and we've done all this austerity stuff, a reasonable person, Ward, would think that the budget went down. A reasonable person would think the budget went down. So um, I think it was Senator Broder asked, well, Mr. Mayor, what was your, or maybe he asked the, the city manager, what was, what was your, your budget last year and what was it this year? And I'm not on the committee, but I was watching, uh, and I was shocked and dumbfounded yeah. that, that the city budget went up $2 yeah. million after they've just professed that they've cut these 140 or whatever jobs. It was like, that's just unbelievable to me. What, what else are you, what else are you keeping from the public? Well, I'll tell you one thing they didn't want to talk about blatantly and openly was Riker House. And they couldn't figure out whether the employees were employees of the city or, uh, you know, that was a doggone for sophisticated people like you supposedly are. If you are a member of the staff, I'm not talking about a commissioner and so, you can't explain. So, huh? Yeah. So here's my, here's my observation on that as a reasonable thinking person, Ward. Um, I called. I called uh, with with uh, Senator Perry's help, but I called for the JLAC audit November of 2019. November of 2019. The results of the JLAC, as you know, was last March. That was 2023, Ward. 2023. The city of Gainesville drugged their feet. They used COVID as uh, an excuse they used the fact that nobody was working in the uh courthouse or the city hall yada 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 shorthanded didn't have the didn't have a, a financial officer so that they would not respond to the state auditor so it took from november 2014 i mean 2019 to march to get the results of 2023 2023. So the question, and this is where I'm going with this, the question about the Reichert House, it wasn't about at May of 2023, the cities washed their hands of it. And we, so therefore, we don't we don't have the information and we can't get the information. That's BS. They did have control of it from November of 2019 to March of 2023. You were financially, physically responsible for that. Where's the answers? Where's the answers? I'll leave it at that today, Ward. Well, and furthermore, the theft that they can't account for, and we know some of the publicly caught people. Um, and then the, it was mis, it was misleading to say they cut the jobs because a lot of the jobs weren't filled anyway. So <laughs> they existed on paper. So they said, oh, we cut all these jobs. No, you didn't cut. How many actual people got their hat and coat and left the building. The question should have been asked that way, I think, but it wasn't. And that's okay. Well, yeah. Well, I think this scab, I think this scab has been pulled back and it's raw underneath. 
Um, where where it goes from here, I don't know, but I think that people and citizens, taxpayers, ratepayers of GRU, I think they all need to understand what has been happening and understand that what that has cost the community and then hopefully be assured that that sort of behavior, that sort of fiscal mismanagement won't happen again. We, we really need to work together to restore the faith uh, in the decision-making and I think it's going to get worse locally uh, for some of some of these leaders before it gets better. Well, I can say this for you. I'll say it. Well, I'm not going to say I'm saying it for you, but um, the incestuous nature of the political parties that run the city um, factor into this as well. I'm reminded now of Charles Gostin, who unfortunately has fallen ill and not in the public anymore. When he was a city commissioner, uh, I interviewed him as he was running. And in East Gainesville, and this is one of the diabolical things it's done. They're always talking out of one side of their mouth about woe is me in East Gainesville. And yet this kills East Gainesville, this attitude about the utilities. And, and Charles, I remember, told the story of going to a potential voter's house who told him that every time they left a room, uh, they turned everything off. I mean, they, they, they didn't, and they had ways they cycled the refrigerator. They would turn on and on. They couldn't leave anything on because the bill was so high they couldn't afford it. And this is East Gainesville. And these are Democrats in charge, basically, of, we've had some now and then, Todd Chase and all, but they're not effective against these people. Brian Eastman, I don't think, was alive, when I'm joking, but not much, when uh, Pegeen Hanrahan um, fired curse. I mean, come on. And yet he's telling us what's going on. Come on now. We don't need that. And Hutch Hutchison, whom we fondly nicknamed, I like Hutch, but he's a communist commissioner. We call him Robert Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison. What's he doing meddling in the city of Gainesville diatribe? He's a member of the party. He's a member of this green ideology, which is lurking behind all this, I would argue, Chuck, this green ideology, which we started out our conversation kind of joking about, is driving all this stuff. And it's led to, as you say, financial malfeasance. They, when they were doing the audit, Chuck, I was watching. Not only could they not balance the books, they couldn't find the bills from which to balance the books. Do you remember that? I, I do. I remember it uh, vividly. And uh, that's exactly the type of... Uh, uncovering of the truth that uh, that that I've put a lot of time and effort. I know Senator Perry's put a lot of time and effort in it to, to unveil the truth. And you mentioned before, I, I've used the analogy of peeling back the skin on an, on an onion. Every time we peel back something else, oh, aha. Every time we peel back another layer of that onion skin, oh my gosh, it's getting a little clearer now about what has really been happening over the years. And, uh, you know, it's like not just this members of this particular commission. It's been members uh, of the commission, certain members, for the last uh, decade or, or even more. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see when the when the truth comes out. Uh, the, the, the challenge is those who, who have uh, not had truth as their constant companion will want to bend, distort, and uh, convey a completely different story. And uh, I'm going to work hard that, uh, that uh, people understand which story is real and which one is um, is, is fake. 
Well, that's where we come in to help because we are all about getting the narrative corrected and uh, not of just GRU, but other issues in government as well. And but when, the more I've been doing this, the more I realize that behind it all is ideology of some type or description that just blinds people to financial accountability. And on the national level, well, just give this money here and give that money there and throw this money over here and throw this money over there. And Ted Yo and I talk about it um, on the show on Wednesdays. The debt, the national debt. I was just talking yep. about it when you hey. came on here. A box of cereal, eight dollars and thirty nine cents. You know, what, Ward, do 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 your uh, listeners a, a favor, and uh, sometimes, like I do, I bring up the national debt clock as a screensaver, and it it is a wonderful dashboard that uh, spins like a fan uh, on the numbers raising rising so fast, but it gives you the debt per capita of every man, woman, and child in America. Wow. And just a, just a few years ago, uh, you know, it was in the 20 trillions. And now I think, Lord, maybe we're above 40 trillion. Um, that's not sustainable. It's completely not, not sustainable, uh, at all. And I think that, you know, you would do, you would do everybody that listens and then others a favor if you would, um, uh, get them to look at that national debt clock. We'll see if we can run that. Production probably can take a look at that and see if we can put it up there. Uh, it would be interesting to put up now and then. Chuck, we got about two minutes left, and uh, a lot of questions have come in. I've tried to pass some, some of them along to you. What's the credit rating of GRU now? It's been down, uh, play, downrated, hasn't it? it? It's been downrated some uh, over the course of the years. And, what you know, I, I'm a chartered financial consultant, so I'm, I'm familiar with, with the ratings. Um, nothing to be real concerned about today, but long-term, it's not sustainable. What has kept the bond ratings artificially high, in my opinion, Ward, is the ability that the city commissioners previously could set the GRU rates. They could literally set the rates. And so it really didn't matter about the bond underwritings because the bond issuers knew that the GRU uh, board at that time was the seven city commissioners, and they could just raise the rates, which would stabilize the bond. So it was a, a race um, to, to keep up, and, and there's a ceiling somewhere, sometime, because you can't withdraw $68 million, uh, in four years more than your net operating profit because you have to either take that money from savings or you've got to borrow $68 more million. It's just not sustainable. So, uh, look, the free market will provide bonds out there. Um, the one that I'm concerned about is when we had uh, a bond, the GRU had a bond uh, issuance all signed and sealed in April, and they delay it until June, and it costs the taxpayers almost $3 million more million. That's unconscionable. That's malfeasance. And um, I hope that some other people join me in calling for uh, justice and calling for uh, reconciliation on that because that's not okay. Well, anytime you need help from the Ward Scott Files and getting the word out, let us know. We're out of time. I really appreciate you taking time. All right. I'm coming on the show. As Thank you so much. Representative Chuck Clemens here with us on the Ward Scott Files. Thank and you, Ward. Sign off now and hope you have Bye-bye. a great weekend. Go Gator against Georgia. A Warthog Command Center out. <laughs>